This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Not a not a bad Thursday in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Basketball time, football recruiting time, baseball coming around the corner time, Lady Vols doing well time, lots and lots going on in Knoxville time, whatever time of day it is, boys and girls. It's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on an aforesaid-mentioned Thursday evening here in God's own Knoxville, Tennessee. Fort Rucker Studio just a couple miles away from Thompson Bowling Arena where Tennessee will not be on Saturday. The Vols will be in Rupp Arena, the, the, the place where John Fulkerson could make history on Saturday as the 22nd-ranked Vols take on the 18th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. 1 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. It'll be a big deal. Jay Billis will be in the house. Lots and lots to discuss about that game, about where things have gone well for Tennessee basketball, where things have not gone well for Tennessee basketball, because there's plenty of that, too. So to get all of that accomplished, you know where we're going to go. We're going to go down to that Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office in Merville and get to the one and the only Grant Ramey. Grant, what's up? It's so crazy to think about this Rupp Arena, kind of this run recently. I think two straight and three out of four. I mean, that's just – it just doesn't happen. It's just – I, I was there to watch all of them, but it was just weird. It's just still weird years later to think about it. Yeah, it's weird because like Coleman Coliseum, Auburn Arena, there have been a lot of places that have been significantly more cruel than Rupp has to Tennessee recently. And what's interesting is that I, I think with the uh, in soccer you would call it the form that both teams are in right now. You certainly would not favor Tennessee going into that matchup. If, however, uh, the Vols get things corrected, which they're more than capable of doing, if they get some things corrected and they play defense the way they have been, they fix some things offensively, and they leave Saturday afternoon with a win uh, in Lexington, John Fulkerson will become the first player in Tennessee history uh, to be a part of four wins at Rupp Arena, which is an insane statistic, although it's not really – it's not insane to think about Fulkerson doing that four times because he's been in Tennessee for like 17 years. Uh, but, but in all seriousness, it, it, it's, it's just hard to think of Tennessee being that successful in Rupp Arena, but Tennessee has. Uh, and, and you would have said going, what, a month ago? You know, you would have said, man, Tennessee's going to go up there as a favorite to Rupp Arena. Now – Things looking a little bit different. Kentucky's got some things sorted out. Oscar uh, Tashibwe, who maybe should be in Tennessee Orange, but is not, is playing for Kentucky, and he has been a double-double machine, putting up some humongous rebounding numbers, presenting lots of problems 
uh, four opponents. And Tennessee, while still being the second-best defense in all of college basketball, Grant, uh, it uh, is not there offensively. Uh, it, it is – and I was just on SEC uh, radio a minute ago on, on the network talking to the guys, and I, 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 I said I, I can't believe that this Tennessee defense is as good as it's been, and I have a hard time believing this Tennessee offense is as bad as it's been. Is that fair? Is that in the ballpark? I mean, what were your expectations? It's fair. I don't even really know uh, where to start with this team because I don't know. It's it's uh, it's like the Festivus episode of Seinfeld where he says, I got a lot of problems with you people. I got a lot of problems with this team right now because they're so good defensively. They're absolutely elite defensively. If you look at the numbers, even though it felt like they couldn't get a stop at LSU outside of that game, they've been elite defensively. But on offense and kind of the rest of just kind of the rest of the team in general, it just feels like there's no toughness to them outside of maybe a, a Zakai Ziegler, which doesn't make any sense at all because he's a five nine freshman who who's been here for a couple months and he just showed up and, and just started scoring. And what you know, but that's a different subject. But it's just I don't know. This defense is so elite, it's like I don't know why that toughness doesn't translate to other parts of the floor. I mean, the offensive struggles are what they are but it's like they miss a couple shots early and they start thinking about missed shots and they, they don't take open shots or they don't take good shots. They dribble into turnovers. Um, there, there's just, there's a lot of onions. I mean, a lot of layers, I'm sorry, to this onion to, to peel away and try to figure out what's going on with the team. But the defense obviously is not a problem you have to worry about. Yeah. There's a lot of layers from a lot of onions that I think we would have to peel they, to, to get to the, the, the center of this thing. They need more onions and yes. less layers. Yes, let's, let's go. Let's go that direction. Maybe, maybe that's what we should call this this episode: more, more onions, less layers. Uh, there we go. The, it seems like here's what what confuses me, Grant, is that basketball. When you think about it, sort of holistically, right? Just think about the game. We're all growing up. We all played either in the driveway or in organized leagues, or for our middle schools, high schools, whatever, or YMCA. A lot of us play basketball, right? And just about anyone who has ever played basketball will tell you that playing offense is the fun part. That's like the dessert. You know, defense is like the vegetables that as a kid, you, you know, you have to eat when you really don't want to. You just want to get to the ice cream, right? It's like in baseball when you have to go play defense for a while just so you can go hit the ball a couple times a game. Offense is the fun part. You never go out there really by yourself practicing defense. You go out there and you take shots. You have fun with it. And right now, it looks like there are multiple possessions where you could not pay these guys NIL money to attempt a shot. And the free throw numbers sort of speak to the overall frustration with the offense because that just shows you how unconfident they are. If, if your confidence is so poor that you suddenly go from you know, a team under Barnes that it's always been top 50 or so every year shooting free throws in the country – uh, 11 of 25 in the most recent game against South Carolina, that, that win, that was just appalling. But if they make their free throws, despite everything else at LSU, they probably win that game or they have a really good chance to win that game. And if they make their free throws against South Carolina, that's a 30, 40 point win. But beyond that, just, you know, I'll even let the free throw thing slide temporarily because it's just a weird stat. I don't think it's going to stay that way. It's just just a thing. But watching them offensively, watching guys who we all know have offensive talent not doing it, when it's that many guys, it's clearly like some sort of a mental 
bug that's going around the team. They just don't have any confidence offensively. No, and I think free throws is, is a good thing to point to because, you know, not to sound like back-in-my-day guy, but back-in-my-day guy, J.J. Redick, I mean, those, those back in that era, it was like everybody was an 85, 85, 88, 90% free throw shoot. Like, they just never missed. Sha- yeah, Shaq was the anomaly. Most guys made them. Right. I mean, even Santiago Vescovi, he never really – Vescovi, he, however you, we say it these days, he never missed over the last couple of years. And now he's a guy that's kind of struggling. He struggled against South Carolina the other night. Kennedy going three for eight. I mean, as a point guard, as a, as talented as he is offensively, that's pretty much inexcusable for, for a guy of his skill set to be three for eight in the foul line when your team is struggling as much as it is offensively. And I think it's 100% mental. It's got to be. I mean, the numbers are what they are. If Justin Powell shoot the ball, the percentages are there. He's going to make it a pretty good percentage of the time. Um, if Santi shoots it, if Kennedy shoots it. And, and, and Rick emphasizes, let's pass up good shots for great shots. And that's a great idea. But to what end? I mean, good good shots are better than bad turnovers. And when they start turning down shots is when they have bad turnovers. I mean, you can't – if you're Justin Powell, you can't get the ball on the wing with five seconds on the shot clock and look to pass it to Kennedy Chandler and that get deflected and go in the backcourt and Kennedy has to shoot a half-court heave after the shot clock has expired uh, like it happened against South Carolina. Or if you're Justin Powell in the corner, you can't – try to go cross court to the opposite corner to VJ and have the ball get caught up in the net. Uh, and that turns into a turnover. He had one of those at, at Alabama where it was kind of like a, couldn't tell if it was an entry pass, halfway entry pass or halfway lob to Brandon Huntley Hatfield and it hit the rim. Um, that was a weird sequence, but I mean, it's, it feels like when they start passing up one shot, they pass up a million shots and it feels like half the time they dribble into a turnover. They dribble into a shot clock violation. They dribble into something worse than what they passed up earlier possession. And I think Rick talked a lot about that early in the year that they don't they don't want to pass up good shots to dribble into a turnover. They don't want to dribble it's on the ball doesn't want to stick as he puts it. They want to pass it, move the ball and get good shots. But at some point you got to let it fly, man, because because what what they're doing now is just not working. And it feels like the more they do it, the more they think about it, the more they get in their own heads. Yeah, and I think it, it's fair. And, and I wrote a column about this. I think maybe after the LSU game that that if it's one or two guys, uh, you can pass that off as this being a streaky game where sometimes guys just get hot, sometimes guys get cold, they have bad days. When you have this many guys at the same time struggling offensively you have to start with the coaching. I mean, that's the only fair, legitimate, honest thing to do, I think. I mean, I've always been a guy who's occasionally put more on players because there's the, they're the ones actually out there on the field making plays or not making plays, and you got to point to them first and foremost because they need to have responsibility for, you know, trying to for, – for doing their jobs. However, my criticism – we, we know Rick Barnes is a stubborn man, right? We know for all his for all the good that he's done, for all the good things that he does running a program, we know he's a stubborn man. I think he, most of the time, if you caught him on a, on a good moment and asked him to be candid, he would tell you he is a stubborn man. But my problem is that I, 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 I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. I think Rick Barnes occasionally wants to have it both ways, and I think that leads to confusion, because there are times where he will say, no, don't, don't zig, zag. And then, you know, when you zag, he goes, no, 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 don't zag, zig. And, and there are times where he will say, I don't want you, I want you to, to turn down good shots for great shots. But then the next moment he comes out of his mind and he says, no, 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 take the first good shot we get. 
And then he'll turn around and say, guys, I want you to be confident, take the shots. And then they'll take a bad shot and he'll put them on the bench unless they're like a junior or senior or a guy who's played a lot of minutes for him. I think he wants to have it both ways all the time. And I think that's probably confusing for players. I don't think they would ever go on the record during a season and tell us that, Grant. I don't think they would ever tell us that when they had eligibility left on their clock, to be honest with you. But does that sort of make sense? It just seems like there's some confusion within the team, and that's got to start at the top. It does. And and anytime you mention on the board or on Twitter that they're struggling to shoot, it, it seems like there's always a reply that, that Rick has scared them into not shooting well, or they're, they're thinking so much because of Rick or the way he coaches or how hard he is. But honestly, the way he coaches this team, I don't think is any different than the way he's coached his previous, that's what, fair. six teams at Tennessee. That's fair. And and when that's, I mean, from what we see in practice, from what we see on the bench, he seems pretty consistent in terms of he went after guys insane in the past, like a maniac. The There should be an award for the I didn't transfer after Rick Barnes spent three years yeah. killing me, and it should be named after Jordan Bone. And Lamonte Turner, I don't know how, too, a little bit, too. I maybe. don't know how those guys never left because they got killed every day in practice. But this team, it feels like they miss an early shot and, and it just snowballs, or, or they make an early mistake, and it just snowballs. And I think this all goes back to the Jimmy V Classic at Madison Square Garden. Tennessee went to shoot around that morning. They got the balls out of the rack. They dribbled a couple times. I heard one of the assistant coaches say, these feel like outdoor playground balls. It was some – It was a. it's not the Wilson ball that they're going to use in the tournament. It was a, it was a Spalding ball. And, and, and like, Tennessee was like not the, the only like the team. the NBA. NBA still uses Spalding balls, right? They switched to Wilson. This this is the first okay, year with okay. Wilson. They previously used a spotting. But every all four teams in that event shot very poorly. We went back and we, we added up all the numbers the next morning. That that seemed more like the rims and the basketball at Madison Square Garden than it felt like any team uh, in particular there. But ever since then, it's like – because before then, it didn't feel like there was ever any question about they're going to take those shots, they're going to miss some, they're going to make some, they're going to be fine. After Ever since then, it's like if they miss an early shot, it just derails early on, like their confidence is shot and it's gone. And you just can't live that way. I mean, with the the level of defense they play, they just have to be average offensively and they'll be fine. They don't have to be a great offensive team. They don't have to put up elite numbers on that end. You know, you don't got to average 90 points when, when you're not giving up more than 70 on most nights. So, I don't know. I think it just goes back to this team and their makeup. I mean, for instance, Rick Barnes is talking about Brandon Hatfield at the Big Orange Tip-Off Club the other day and he's, He's talking about he makes one mistake, and then with young guys, when you make one mistake, you usually start thinking, I can't make another mistake because I'm going to get yanked. And he talks about Zakai Ziegler in the past, how he never worries about Zakai because if he makes a mistake, Zakai says, that's fine, I'm going to get it back next time. And he said Zakai had his first bad game at LSU, and he wasn't worried about how Zakai would respond against South Carolina because he's responded in the past to, if something bad happens, I'll get it back the next time. So I think that's the difference in kind of, where some of these guys are on this team and where some other guys are. Like Zakai, he's going to make a mistake. He's going to bounce back. He's going to be fine. But other guys are thinking about that next mistake, and it just kind of goes on from there. And, and they need to find a way to get more guys with that tough kind of short memory mindset to, to try to fix this thing. Well, th- there's one guy in particular who, who sticks out to me as a guy who uh, – and not Zakai, a guy who, who I think – gets to part of what I was just mentioning with Rick Barnes and, and a player who has has been a little frustrating, but but I think when you start thinking about the situation, you go, hmm, maybe this could be part of the reason. Maybe not. 
But before we talk about him and some other things, we got to step away. We got to pay some bills, go to a break, listen to products, services, in house ads, other fun things. And we'll pick this conversation right back up here on the Go Balls 24 7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Money! eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago. During that commercial break, Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, Grant Ramey coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 Blunt County Satellite Office in Maryville, talking a little Tennessee basketball on this episode. Obviously, we'll have lots more football conversations to come up uh, b- before the, the old signing day, which now isn't much of a signing day, but I guess still technically is a signing day. Lots of portal stuff to discuss, plenty of other things. But right now, uh, it is Tennessee-Kentucky basketball week. It is uh, the Vols still ranked, the Vols playing, having one of the best defenses in the country. Still very much just a couple of good offensive performances away from being that team people talk about again as a potential team that could do damage in the NCAA tournament. Lots and lots to discuss. It feels like it's so far away right now, uh, but basketball is a weird sport, and it can it can turn quick. So there's lots of things to discuss there. Before we do that, though, quick reminder, guys, take about a minute out of your day right now if you can. Please rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website, nothing wrong with that. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod, you can find this podcast. Go in there, search for it, hit that subscribe button, mash that subscribe button, and go in there and rate and review. We do this for free, and we're happy to do it, uh, but that's the that's one thing we ask for in return. Please go do those things. Please keep telling your friends, and we'll keep growing this thing as we've grown it since we started it years ago, and it's been a fun ride. It's going to get even more enjoyable. If you're already doing those things, thank you. We love you. If not, go yourself. That's the policy. Sticking by it, and um, no one's told me to stop saying it, except for Ryan, and he doesn't matter. So lots and lots to discuss with the Vols, and you're going to find it on this feed consistently. Grant, the one player that I was talking about, you know, in the last segment or was leading into this, Justin Powell is a guy who I think it requires a little bit of nuance to discuss this because I don't think he's just like a, hey, make him start shooting the ball a bunch and everything's going to get better magically. I don't think it's that 
simple. People like to think it's that simple. It's never that simple. But my question is this, Grant. Early in the season, he was very, very aggressive shooting the basketball uh, for the most part. Never taking really terrible shots, but taking good shots, uh, making a a fair amount of them because he's a really, really good shooter. Uh, but then he doesn't start playing as much, and people go, why is Justin Powell not playing? Why is he not on the floor when you need a three? And Rick Barnes, for right or wrong, kept going back to his defense and said it's his defense. He, he He's getting picked on defensively, and that can't happen. He's got to get better there or he's not going to play. Meanwhile, people are thinking, well, V.J. Bailey's still playing, and he's not a very good defender either, so so what do you – do you not want both of them on the floor? What's What's going on here? Now Justin Powell has started playing a little bit more again, but he's not shooting the ball. He's putting, it seems to me, he's still not a great defender, but he's putting in some better efforts there defensively. But now he's even turning down some open shots. And that that's what led me to start thinking again about Barnes wanting to have it both ways. Did he just go over this so much that he temporarily rewired this kid's brain in some way? And now he's trying hard on defense, but he's not, doing what he should be doing which is putting the ball in the basket for a team that needs it yeah and I mean it's, it's going to come down to to walking that line I mean you you got to be able to do a little bit on both ends of the floor to, to stay on the floor for these guys uh, to get consistent minutes and it, it, it is good that if if he's not taking shots it's because he's focusing on his defense obviously he needs to do that he needs to make some strides up on the defensive end uh, based on what what Rick said after that Alabama game where he wasn't on the floor much in the final minute uh, when when VJ Bailey took that shot, but at the same time, um, his defense is never going to be good enough to justify playing 19 minutes and not taking a shot because Correct. you're a guy that's on the floor to take a shot. You're brought in to shoot, and and Rick can say that he only played 10 games at Auburn last year, and he's a freshman just like everybody else, and uh, all that stuff. And, and I kind of agree with that. But at the same time, you're a shooter. You were brought here to shoot. You weren't brought here to, to dribble a couple times on the wing and pass the ball. You weren't here to be a lead guard. You're not here to be a forward to back anybody down the post. Your job is to find open spots on the three-point line uh, and let it fly. And, and people can say in 20 minutes against uh, South Carolina that he wasn't open and all that stuff. At the same time, it's part of his job to get open. A wide receiver can't just not get targeted all game and then say, well, I didn't get open. Well, it's your job to get open. So he's going to have to find that blend of, of being better defensively or at least putting more effort in on that end of the floor while also finding his shots. Now, he doesn't have to be – VJ Bailey. Sometimes VJ Bailey's aggressiveness is a is a blessing, and sometimes it's a curse because if he makes that first shot, he's going to take five more shots pretty quickly, and not all those shots go in. So it's it's a blend between you know find those good shots and take them, but you can't ignore the defensive end. I think he is a guy that's definitely uh, thinking a lot in his own head. Yeah, what's interesting is that Bailey, I still think, is one of the guys who. I think Barnes actually manages pretty well. And by that, I mean the way that I would sort of naturally think to use him, which is go out there. We're not going to try to change you too much. You go out there and be you. And if you're not making those shots, I'll take you out of the game. But don't right. change. Just just go. And if, you, if you're hitting them, go bonanza. But if you're not, then uh, then 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 come on back in a little bit and you're going to you're going to sit this game. Uh, but it, it just that that's the one thing that I think. I think there's an adaptability to Barnes that needs to be there. And I, I've said for years that to me, there is no other way to explain a coach who has this many wins, this many conference championships, this many big moments, and so much disappointment in the NCAA tournament. There should have been more success in his career in the postseason. There has not been. There is no polite way to put that. It is the truth. And I have to think that a lack of flexibility is 
maybe the biggest reason for that. There, you have to adjust to what you have. You have to adjust to the way you talk to kids and you teach kids. You, you have to get them motivated to go play. You, you, I just think there's a little bit of that that, that needs to change because when he has those veteran laden teams there they can do damage sometimes in the postseason but that's not the way basketball works anymore you're not going to have a lot of those teams dominated by fifth year seniors you're just not especially if you're recruiting the way Tennessee is it's just not going to happen so you have to adjust some things and and I just that that's what made me think about that because coaches who consistently kind of tweak what they do tend to have success in, in just about every sport so just a thought for another day, but one thing uh, we have to discuss again before we get out of here, and I think the Kentucky game is sort of a nice segue for this in some way. It'll come full circle, I hope. Uh, but we can't not mention uh, the John Fulkerson comments after Tennessee's game uh, last week where things did not go well. John Fulkerson did not look like himself coming back from COVID. And Rick Barnes came out and made some comments that – I understood what he meant, and I didn't think he was wrong, but I don't think he picked the right time and the right way to say it necessarily uh, because of the COVID era we're living in. John Fulkerson, for the second, at least the second time in, in, in the past couple of years, got COVID and was not able to play at Alabama, came back, and, and he was sick. I, I heard at the time that Chandler was mostly not, not that symptomatic, but you know, Fulkerson really wasn't feeling very, very great, and I heard that from a couple people. But then he comes back and he says he feels okay, and he goes through practice and he looks okay. But then they play Ole Miss, and he doesn't feel good. And he doesn't tell anyone that he doesn't feel good, and he just doesn't play well. And Barnes sends associate head coach Mike Schwartz to go find out what's wrong with him. And that's when Fulke told him he wasn't feeling well. And, and then they go, okay, well, next time tell us. And, and again, they go there, LSU. He just doesn't feel very good. And there's more confusion about that. And he doesn't play very well. And after the game, Barnes finally just has it and says he needs to play the way he can play or get out of the way. And the optics of that, Grant, did not look good because of the situation. And I don't think Barnes handled that the best way possible. But those of us who know the way those two know each other, I think tried to say, listen, I don't think this is as bad as it looks. I think he's trying to – he'll say he's not trying to motivate him publicly – but I don't believe that for a second. I think he kind of was. But regardless, they go out there against South Carolina, Fulky looks better, and maybe things are okay now. Uh, I'll try to explain this the way I explained it on the board, which ended with me getting a PM, getting cussed up and down for, for, ta- for appearing to side with Rick Barnes over John Fulkerson when, you know, whatever. But okay, King, that's Kingsport on Kingsport. I mean, you're not, you're not going to turn on Kingsport. Exactly. People, people think I'm siding with Rick here. When when Rick was saying that against LSU, I felt like uh, Don Corleone when he said, "Look, look how they've look how they've mutilated my baby boy." But uh, I mean, I, I texted you and Mike Wilson saying, "Oh my God!" The moment he did it, like that's not going to yeah, go well. This was this was Sonny Corleone all over again. But here's the thing: no, Rick should Rick should have chose his words better. He was frustrated in that moment. I don't blame him. That was a frustrating loss. But there's cer- certain context to this situation that that you don't pick up from him saying. He needs to help us or he needs to get out of the way. What what Rick has said in the past, this is pre-COVID era, is one of the best things a player can do is tell you they need to get out of the game. Like, give, give me all you've got for three minutes or whatever, however long you're out there, and if you're, if you're gassed, let me know, and I'll get somebody in there and we'll get you a blow, and somebody else can go in there and pick up the slack for you, and then you can get back on the floor whenever you get your breath. 
I think that's what he's explaining or was attempting to to say in that moment. But you're right. It, it made it sound like if he can't produce, he needs to get out of here. And I don't think that's the case. And Tennessee's not expecting John Fulkerson to be the 24 and 10 John Fulkerson that he was against Arizona every single night or the, the 27 points at Rupp Arena a couple of years ago that, that John Fulkerson that showed up there. They need that 10 and 6 John Fulkerson or 9 and 9 or 8 and 7 or, or whatever the numbers are. They just need a little bit of help from him. And more importantly, they need him to communicate and let them know if, if he's wore out, if he can't go, if he, if he doesn't have the energy, if it feels like it's going to be a slow night for him, which I think he did that against South Carolina. He took himself out a couple of times. I think that's what they want. And I think that's what they're trying to communicate in that moment. Rick was, he just communicated it poorly. He commun- communicated it, you know, in that frustrated mindset that he was in because they came off a very frustrating loss. But I don't think Fulky's, you know, about to get up and walk out of the room no, because God, Rick no. is going after him. Rick has been going after him for six years now and saying, we need Fulky. We need Fulky. He said it seriously for at least four or five years now, since he came back from that major injury, they need him to help this team. And, and that's not anything new. It's just the way it was presented and everything going on uh, in that game. And at the same time, you know, People are gnashing their teeth over all this stuff right now. It's January, whatever, 13th, 14th. 13th, yeah. It's the, absolutely the toughest part of their schedule. They lost to Texas Tech, a game they could have won a million different ways, a million different times. Texas Tech just won at Baylor, so that's a pretty good basketball team. They lost at LSU. That's a really good basketball team, and they're really hard to beat at home. Uh, who else they lose to? Alabama. Alabama always gives them fits. I mean, that's that's kind of to be expected. And without two and they lost. Right, and they lost to a really good Villanova team that is kind of just built to to take advantage of this Tennessee basketball team, just the way these two teams match up. So they have lost to really good teams, and they have really good teams coming up still on this January schedule. I think to start January, they had more Ken Palm top 50 teams than they had outside of the top 50 opponents. That's just what this January schedule is. It's, it's very front-loaded, so they're going to struggle it's not going to be the end of the world. It's just you're going to have to ride the waves. And at the same time, this offense is as as bad as it's looked. It's January 13th. You got two months to fix it. And and if your defense is still there, then you don't have to fix it a ton. Yeah. And the, the last thing I'll say about Fulky before we we wrap up with Kentucky, I, I I think that Barnes made a good point that was not received. I think maybe in the way that it could have been. And again, I, I'm on record saying Barnes did not handle that situation well. If those of us who know him have to decipher what it actually meant, that's not good for his PR. And honestly, that's not good for us either because it looks like we're going to the map for Barnes when we're just saying, listen, this is what he pro- almost certainly meant. So let's calm down a little bit here. Uh, people want you to just go out there. I think, I think they want us to physically assault Barnes at times. But he did make a good point that that John Fulkerson is not 17 or 18 years old. He is 24 years old, and he is a college student. He is, um, but he is a 24-year-old college student, and he needs to be able to communicate to his coaches when he's not feeling well for his team, and he, he knows that better than anyone, and I think that point, Barnes got hammered for saying that, but I actually thought it was a good point. You're 24 years old. You know, like your rental, rental cars get cheap for you in a year, buddy. Like you got to – it's adult time, so you got to do that. And I think that he wouldn't have said those things about certain players because he didn't know whether they could handle it or he knew they would handle it badly. Guys like Josiah, guys like John Fulkerson, you know, Zakai's going to be one of these guys. Lamonte Turner was one of these guys. He will cut their throat publicly because he knows they can handle it. And that that's that's what I thought about all that. But the segue to that 
was I think, and Grant, I've even heard this from, from some of our friends in the media, not naming names at all, because it's a fair conversation. But I think people assume that that Tennessee and Fulke in particular are like lambs going to a slaughter Saturday at Rupp Arena. Because Oscar Tshibwe, who maybe should be a Tennessee, but another story for another day, he is enormous and he is having an enormous impact on games, and he looks like he could take Fulkerson over his knee and crack him in half physically. He just does. But who would have thought two years ago going into Rupp Arena that Fulkerson would do what he did? Who thought against Arizona Fulkerson would do what he did? The road to hell is paved with people underestimating John Fulkerson and what he can do. I won't be surprised if he goes out there and you know, has like six points and four rebounds and, and plays 18 minutes and gets some fouls and gets out of the game and doesn't look good. I also will not be surprised if he goes up and puts 24 and 12 on the board. I will not be surprised. He has done this before. And I think people who are assuming that a couple bad weeks mean this team's going to be bad and everything's going to be bad. Grant, I think they're out of their minds. And, and we've said before, you and I are watching this going, we got a lot of problems with this right now. But also remember that you got a couple months to get some of these things sorted. So I think some degree of patience and open-mindedness might be required for, you know, because people are going to say postseason, Rick, yada, yada, yada. Fair enough. Fair enough. But there's a long way to go this season. There's a lot of talent on this team. Yeah, I mean, that 2020 game, uh, I think they are down 17 in the second half, and that team really didn't have anything to hang its hat on in terms of, of what this team can do defensively. Um, and, and I think it was down 17, and, and Fulke didn't even know what the score was because he couldn't find the scoreboard, and he just put the team on his back. And last year, this team was in a, a pretty tough spot when it went to Lexington, and obviously it was a, it was a limited capacity. It was a very diff- different atmosphere. But the one time that Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson showed up and went off, it just happened to be at Rupp Arena against Kentucky um, in 2018. I mean, that game felt just as un- unwinnable going in as, as maybe this one does. But, I mean, yeah, there have been Tennessee teams in worse spots during this run over the last four years that have went up there and won. And, and yeah, you look at Oscar Tshibwe, and he's 6'9", he's 255, and he looks like a robot, and he puts up video game numbers. Like, if you're putting up these numbers on a video game, you're going – into the settings and you're, and you're changing the level of difficulty because it's, it's just too easy. Yes. Um, you've, you've turned off fouls or something's going on because to average 17 and 15 after kind of the frustrations and the struggles that he had um, at West Virginia. And yeah, you're right. There was some flirtation between uh, Tennessee and, and Oscar uh, when he was in the transfer portal and, and what could have been if that had had, had worked out. Um, that's a, yeah, that's definitely a story for another day, but, with, with Fulke in particular, here's my thing with him. You know within the first three possessions what kind of Fulke you're going to get. If he gets shoved around down low, if, if he doesn't get the foul call when he's, when he's you know, doing the Fulke thing, the, the wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube yeah, man. The spaz. Yeah. Um, yeah, if he uses his quickness to get around somebody and score, you can usually tell in those first three, four possessions what kind of day it's going to be for Fulke. And, and if Fulke gets pushed around, if Oscar starts dominating him early, then, yeah, it's probably going to be a long day because Austria's going to put 30 and 15 on the whatever on the board that, that he usually does. Um, but at the same time, if Fulke can, you know, Fulke's been known to draw two quick fouls in the opening five minutes on big guys. Um, he's been known to use his quickness to get around some of those big guys. It's just going to depend on kind of what they can do, um, A, with Fulke, uh, B, with Olivier Kamal, C, with Euros Plavsic, and then kind of go out to those guards and figure out what kind of day they're going to have shooting the ball. Um, can Kennedy Chandler get to the rim? If not, are these guys going to shoot it well from the perimeter? Um, are they going to keep passing up shots? Are they going to keep dribbling into turnovers? 
Um, but yeah, something about Tennessee and something about Kentucky and something about going to Rupp Arena the last few years since he's been able to find some some magic there. So so we'll see what happens. And and one number that sticks out in my head is, is 27. I think Jordan Bone had 27 against them uh, at Tennessee in March 2019. I think Fulke had 27 in 2020. And I think uh, who who led in scoring last year, Keon or Jaden? The yeah. leader had 27. Yeah. Well, they both put and on the other one had, huge number. And the other one had 24 or something, but I don't know. And, that's, then, that's and, just, then, that's, and then Jordy Meeks is like, whatever, bro, I got double that. I got 54. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> that's the that's the uh, for Tennessee that's the like a freaky Friday number. Somebody needs to needs to get to twenty seven to win the game. Yeah, and if Fulky's not going to be Fulky, then they need to say, okay, Uros Plavsic and Brandon Hunley Hatfield, you get five fouls apiece. Go to town. <laughs> go, go draw. Go hack them. So yeah, there's plenty to discuss. We'll have more on this game obviously early next week, unless there's big breaking news. We won't have anything before that, but if nothing else, we'll have something from after that game early next week, and and uh, we'll be there. It'll be an interesting one. We'll see how it goes. Grant, thanks for your time, man. I know you got stuff you got to do. I got stuff I got to do. Uh, let's go ahead and I think wrap this one up. Unless you got anything else. See, I got nothing. See you later. Let's see here. If I can find that button, where is it? There it is. Now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Grant for joining us. Uh, but more importantly than him, Thanks to y'all for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news on your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 and get tons of stuff there. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, Go to GoVols247.com. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Go directly to GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols sports with all things Lady Vols. Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all year long. Got two forums, the checkerboard and the summit that run around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Tennessee fans, thousands of them, every zip code, no matter what time of day it is, someone's going to be on those boards talking about Tennessee sports. And as long as it's not political or religious in nature, you can talk about whatever the hell you want. Just avoid those two topics because this is the internet and because that never ends well. But you get all that, including the five of us here on staff. We're there all the time, too. You can talk to us. It's like this podcast, but in written format all day long, whatever you want. Got a couple dozen fresh content items just about every single day. Got access to one of the best networks out there, one of the best databases out there. Uh, And you get all that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That's all it costs. That's all it costs. And if you pay us that reasonable rate after a seven-day free trial, you will get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, a just budding behemoth of a streaming platform with everything CBS has ever done, commercial-free, tons of exclusive shows, 1883, you know, Mayor Kingstown, Evil, Picard, tons of really, really great, like, Hollywood A-list type shows. Tons of them. Plus, everything CBS has ever done, commercial-free. You get access to the files of uh, CBS, obviously, and you get MTV, BET, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian, Comedy Central, Something for the entire family. Fresh movies, new movies, great movies, classic movies, old classic awesome movies, and live sports. You get SEC sports, so you get the Vols, football and basketball. You get the NCAA tournament, March Madness. Uh, you get um, you get Serie A. You get UEFA Champions League. You get UEFA Europa League. You get World Cup qualifiers. All of that 
all of that that's a like that's that's a 100 plus dollar annual value annually that we will give you for nothing so we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for about a hundred bucks a year who else can give you that guys nobody we can so go to govals247.com right now and check that out. If nothing else, you should hear from us on Monday. So uh, until then, uh, if there's no big breaking news, if there's big breaking news, we'll talk to you before then. But if not, we'll talk to you then. So until then, be nice to each other. Have basic human empathy and dignity. The world has none of it these days, and it's sad. Let's be better. We're better than this. Be good. See ya. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.